explain to me when we were so rudely interrupted uh, how, how best we might identify you or, or what many titles you hold now with the, the National Lampoon well, organization. Well, I, I, I founded the National Lampoon in 1970. I'm the chairman of the board and president of the company, and editor-in-chief of the magazine, and I'm the producer of National Lampoon Films. With all that going on, do you, do you still have much input, much uh, hands-on uh, work with the magazine itself? I have, uh, for the last two years, uh, for the, and I did for the first uh, nine years, and there was a period in between of about five or six years where I was in California, California, uh, concentrating primarily on film, and uh, did not. That was about from uh, 1979 to through uh, early 85. All right. As I mentioned, you were going to try to focus on on 1970 uh, for this retrospective. So going back to 1970 when that first issue came out, and by the way, I have my own personal copy in front of me. Well, it's worth a lot of money. Is it? Is it really? I, I haven't checked. How? Any idea? What, what's it going for? About these five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars? Yeah. I better take good care of this. Um, how did? Uh, no, you can't see it, Neil. I'm sorry. How did? How did National Lampoon get its start? What was? What was the year 1970 like as you prepared for for this well, first issue? Well, uh, the Lampoon came uh, actually from the Harvard Lampoon. We, uh, I had a company called 21st Century Com Communications, which was a publishing company, and we published other magazines. And in uh, 1968, we had been approached by uh, uh, a number of undergraduates. From Har who were at Harvard at the time, who uh, wanted to publish a parody of uh, Time uh, Life magazine. I have that too. How much is that worth? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And so uh, we we worked with them on it. It only had a few weeks to go, and uh, we realized that they were very talented, but they didn't know anything about running a magazine. And then about six months or eight months later they decided they wanted to do uh, a parody of Time magazine. So this time we co-published it with, the, with Harvard, the Harvard Lampoon, and it was an enormous success. But this time we, we, we really ran it for them, every aspect of it. And uh, then uh, the primary people involved, two of the editors, uh, Doug Kenny and Henry Beard, were graduating. And uh, we all agreed that... Uh, it was a good idea. Let's take a shot at doing a national magazine. And uh, there had been no humor magazine in this country at that time in, oh, about 40 years. Uh, every country, almost every country in the world had a humor magazine except the United States. Now, you're not counting Mad Magazine, then? No, I'm talking about adult humor magazine. Oh. Mad Magazine is read by uh, the average reader is 12. I'm talking about uh, humor magazine for adults. All right. So you weren't uh, you weren't a Harvard student then to begin with. No, no, no. All right. Um, what were your what was uh, Harvard wasn't built when I went to school. <laughs> um, what were your targets? What were the goals of that? Uh, let's say the first years worth of publication. Well, our, our real goal, you know, after all, uh, the, our thinking and planning was to make money. And isn't that the American way? <laughs> uh, editorial goals? Any 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 targets? Any any areas that you decided were? Well, we didn't have a goal. We had a policy, and that is that uh, we would publish anything and let our writers and editors say anything as long as it was redeemably funny. And uh, 
we let people more or less make their own comments, whether they be liberals or conservatives or middle-of-the-roaders or whatever. And uh, uh, it, uh, the chips fell where they may, and they frequently fell. So, so there weren't any any broad sort of outlines. We're gonna we're gonna deal with politics, or we'll we'll, uh, we'll emphasize uh, other magazine. No, not as far as targets are concerned. The the the, the main uh, uh, policy we had was that we were gonna do everything in a very uh, with a very classy mo- mo- uh, approach. In other words, everything was going to be done with very fine art, with very good writers, uh, very well edited. But we weren't going to do anything cheap. What were the, the inspirations for, for uh, those people who first worked on the Lampoon, the, uh, either editorial or, or, or business inspirations? Uh, success. No, but I mean, what, were there any models, uh, either either other magazines? No, there hadn't been anything like it in, in, uh, since the early days of the New Yorker and co- in the days of college humor back in the 20s. There was no model for the National Lampoon. There was no model for its kind of humor. If anyone uh, uh, who might have possibly been a model, it would have been Lenny Bruce. All right. What uh, what do you remember best about those early issues? Uh, what worked? What didn't? What did you find particularly successful? Well, of course, we did a lot of we had a lot of firsts. I mean, we had the most popular magazine cover in the history of the magazine business, uh, and that was so voted by the magazine illustrators of America. The picture of the dog with a gun to his head, which said, "If you don't buy this magazine, we'll shoot this dog." We had many, many, many articles that uh, are legendary. And then, of course, uh, many of our writers have uh, gone on to become the biggest writers in uh, film and television. And uh, uh, Some of our writers, like P.J. O'Rourke, or P.J. O'Rourke is probably the outstanding journal- magazine journalist in America today. Uh, we then we went into uh, early in the game. We went into theater, and many of the people who started working for us there became um, huge stars, like John Belushi and Chevy Chase and uh, Gilda Radner and Bill Murray and people like that. So, I think uh, what I remember best and what I uh, remember most fondly uh, are the people who were and still are with us, and st- in many cases, and uh, who. Uh, uh, who just had enormous talents. Any good stories, behind-the-scenes kind of stories, about, as much as possible, I'd like to deal with that first year, the first few issues? Uh, well, I remember Michael O'Donoghue, who was uh, probably the prince of black comedy, uh, who later went on to be the chief writer and first head writer of the Saturday Night Live, after he and I had a huge argument, and I fired him. <laughs> which he has never forgiven me for. Uh, getting a telephone call one day from his father and who, sa- who said to him, Michael, I've got terrible news for you. Your mother lost her toe. And without blinking, Michael said, did you look behind the refrigerator? That's pretty good. Any others? Well, uh, one day... Um, my principal editor, a guy named Doug Kenny, who uh, was one of the 
eventually was one of the writers of Animal House, and, uh, and in my opinion is the greatest human writer of the last uh, oh, 50 years, perhaps, or certainly 25 years, uh, came to me and said, Matty, i got to write, an, uh, I want to leave for a while, I've, I've, I've got to write a novel. And uh, I said, you know, Doug, I need you, you know, no, I, I got to go. So he left and uh, um, came back six months later, he walked into my office, handed me this uh, array of dirty manuscript pages, walked out, I sat and I read it, and he had just spent six months on the beach writing this. He came back, I said, Doug, this is terrible. He picked it up, he said, okay, and he threw it into the waste paper basket. Temperamental guy. Yeah. He's uh, the same guy who came to me oh, about a year or so later and said, Matty, I, 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 I can't write any more magazine stuff, I'm just up to here with, you know, I'm just dried out. That's about two years later. And I said, you can't, and, and I didn't want to lose him. So I said, Doug, you can't leave. We're going to do a movie. And we weren't. I just ad-libbed it on the spot. So he said, what movie? So I started talking and ad-libbing, and uh, of course the movie we did was Animal House. When did Doug die? When was that? Doug died about three or four, about four years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, back to the early issues, the first, the first few issues. Um, what problems were there, either with the magazine itself or, or in, in terms of getting it out to the public? The biggest problems in the history of the magazine still persist, and they are financial in this sense. The right-wing conservative elements in this country have always been violently opposed to a, a magazine of satire which puts down uh, people or puts down ideas in a humorous way even though we never take sides we put down everybody which is the nature of what we do there is a satire magazine in Russia and they publish they do the same thing we do there are satire magazines in Poland, and they're not interfered with. This is the only country where uh, a, a magazine of satire, because it deals with subjects political and everything else, uh, has enormous pressures on it from elements of the public. And the same groups that are now under fire, the evangelists, are the leading uh, groups as far as the pressure they put on it. We have lost millions and millions of dollars in advertising because of writing campaigns built on totally false issues, uh, issues they distort. But the advertiser takes a look, you know, gets 200 letters. What happens is they, one guy writes a, a letter and then 200 idiots write the same letter under their instructions and they send it to, let's say, the president of a tobacco company. He gets 200 letters. He says, well, you know, why should we fight this thing? You know, he doesn't want to fight. So we lose a million dollars in advertising. And this has been going on. It's been worse in recent years than it ever was. It wasn't bad, really, during the 70s at all. Yeah. So, in other words, you've been you've been affected by the same sort of pressures that have affected uh, afflicted Playboy and Penthouse. And yes, the other I way. have, but the difference is that we are, uh, are not an erotic magazine. We don't publish uh, anything that's erotic. We don't publish lower, we show lower genitalia. 
we uh, we deal mostly in words, and 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 we have visuals, but uh, they're certainly not erotic, and uh, we don't. I, 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 you know, we're not comparable. We're not a men's magazine in the sense that Playboy. Not that I approve of what they did to Playboy. Don't misunderstand me. But yes, we've had the same problems. The only difference is that uh, they've had the bigger numbers. So, uh, oh, though, though they've lost millions too. I mean, you look at Penthouse these days, you see a scattering of ads, and you don't see much advertising. Yeah. Um, in terms of the magazine itself, what what sort of early experiments or experiences did you have? Uh, what sort of articles, features did you run that just didn't work, or or uh, you decided weren't worthy of uh, not repetition? Not working is all in the eye of the beholder. Sure. You 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 you'd be amazed at how many pieces you can look at and say, "Gee, I didn't think that was funny." And there are other people who do, and and just the opposite, you know. Uh, uh, Humor is a very selective thing and a very personal thing, and people uh, look at it and, and make their own uh, decisions as to whether they think it's funny. What I'm asking, I guess, is whether you and, and the editorial staff decided early on that, that some things weren't appropriate or, or were unsuccessful. Well, I personally am not big on scatological humor, and I try to keep it to a minimum. So uh, the next, uh, the other question, another way of putting the same thing is, is how has the, the Lampoon changed over the years from, from those first few issues to, to the last several issues? You mean uh, editorially? You don't mean personally, personnel-wise? Uh, yeah, I think, well, whichever answer you think is more interesting, but I, I, well, I'm Well, the personnel, of course, is what has happened is that after we went into the movie business and we made uh, this huge movie uh, uh, Animal House followed by Vacation and the other successful movies, our writers became enormously in demand, so that uh, Hollywood started stripping us of all of our writers and everything like that. And that's one of the reasons I had to go back in 1985, is because I was the one who usually found the writers and, and, and put them on, and that's what I've done. And now the magazine is making uh, a comeback because uh, we have a lot of terrific new young writers. So who have you lost over the years? John Hughes? John Hughes worked for me for four years. Uh, also, uh, the first screenwriting script, the first script writing he ever did, he and I co-wrote the first six uh, episodes of a television show. Then I hired him to do which, a script. Which show was that? Delta House. Okay. Then uh, I hired he and Todd Carroll to write the screenplay of a story that I wrote for a picture called Jaws, Three People, Nothing, which, for reasons I won't go into here, with was never made. Then after that, I took a short story that John had written, and I made a movie called Vacation. And then John was on his way. Uh, Bill Murray, of course, wrote for us. Chevy wrote for us. Uh, uh, Ivan Reitman uh, was my associate on a number of projects. Uh, Harold Ramis wrote for us and uh, acted in the show, uh, several shows for us. Uh, the writers could go on endlessly. They're all over the place. I mean, they're writing everything, uh, comedy-wise. I mean, the biggest... If you took the ten biggest comedies of all time, and about six or seven of them would have been affected in some large way by former Lampoon. Uh, okay. How about, how about editorially? How has the magazine changed editorially uh, from 1970 until now? 
Well, we had, uh, until recently, we had better targets. Uh, in the 70s, you had, early 70s when we started, we had the Vietnamese War and Nixon and Agnew, who were wonderful targets. And uh, until recently, everybody thought Reagan was just a cherub and a wonderful guy and doing a great job. And uh, when we made fun of him or uh, satirized him, it didn't seem to uh, cause, you know, cause much reaction. Uh, recently, people, uh, for some reason I can't understand, are beginning to uh, uh, think that he's perhaps as funny and inept as we think he is. Uh, any others in terms of physical appearance or, or types of material that you run? There really hasn't been a great deal of change in the approach in the magazine. It's basically format-wise and uh, with our basic approach is the same magazine. Just okay. the new writers, younger writers now. I mean, obviously they were not younger than they were then, but they're younger than... I mean, remember, my original writers are now in their 40s and 50s. And most of the current staff are in their 20s and 30s. Did you, did you and the people that uh, from Harvard who helped start the original National Lampoon uh, have any, any initial expectations at the very beginning that, that it would grow into the, the major media empire that it has become? No, no. Uh, we, we really uh, were quite unsure because the track record for uh, humor magazines in this country had been so bad. Uh, Hefner had st tried to start one last at about three issues. Uh, various other people had started them, other than Mad, which, as I say, is a different uh, age bracket. Uh, the, and this was the first one that had been successful in many, many years. So, no, we didn't have, uh, you know, we'd hoped for the best, and uh, we tried. And you, you'd, you win some, you lose some, but uh, we won this one. Again, because our focus for this is 1970, was it any time in 1970, before that first year was out, that, that you had some ideas for branching out? I mean, what came first, the, the radio show? No, the first thing we did after the magazine was a, a record album called Radio Dinner. Right. And uh, that was written by uh, Michael O'Donoghue and Tony Hendra, and it was enormously successful. And that was really the beginning of our going into the entertainment business. Did, uh, when did that first begin to take shape? Was that that first year? The second year. 71, right. I believe. All right. Um, that answers all my general questions. Any, uh, any other aspects of the National Lampoon story, or, or 1970 in particular, that, that you'd like to discuss or that you think our listeners might find interesting? Uh, 1970 uh, was uh, an incredible year because we were putting something together from scratch. It wasn't like putting together... Uh, a typical magazine that you get where you could use other magazines as prototypes. We had to figure out how to do this thing, how to do it from scratch, how to do it new. And uh, it was a combination of, you know, I had had a lot of years of experience in the magazine business and uh, a bunch of, a number of very, very talented, brilliant guys from uh, Harvard Lampoon who, uh, who had no experience. And I think combining those is what made it work. Uh, some real specific bi uh, biographical questions. I have the, the brief page of background that uh, your staff sent me. Um, may I ask how old you are now? Yeah, 59. 59. So back in 1970, you were, uh, let's see, what would that be, 42? 
I guess so. Yeah, okay. And uh, you mentioned your corporation and the experience you'd had in magazines until this point, uh, until the point National Lampoon started. Specifically, what magazines had you worked on or launched? Or Well, I was one of the founders of the Diners Club, the credit card business, in, 19, in the early 50s. And uh, um, I started a magazine called the Diners Club News, which became the Diners Club Magazine, which became Signature, which is today a very big magazine. And uh, then when I left the Diners Club in the uh, 1960s to start my own publishing business, uh, I started a magazine called Weight Watchers Magazine, which was and still is a very big magazine, and uh, that and various other magazines. We have a magazine now called Heavy Metal, which is a science fiction fantasy magazine, and it's probably the most widely read magazine of that kind in the world. I think I have the first issue of that somewhere, too. Really? Yeah. Well, that's worth a lot of money, too. Yeah. Um, I think that covers it, unless there's anything else. And, and believe me, I'd be glad to sit still and uh, no, listen to anything else you want to mention. I have nothing else to say. Everything's fine. All right. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Okay. And uh, you've got my phone number. Just in case you think of anything else, please feel free to call okay. anytime. Thank, thank you again. You. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.